Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Our colleague Noel is on an adventure, but we'll be returning shortly. They called me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Now, Matt, uh, <laughs> as, as as you know, uh, I, I was in a bit of a situation. I... I regretfully had to miss a previous recording so excited to be back and and you and I have planned to to do something kind of special uh in this strange news uh we're going to kind of you know usually we keep it like a three act structure each each person um explores a story uh that <laughs> that people may not want you to know about but um you and I decided uh, as we we're going into recording, that we were going to do sort of a cavalcade of strange stories today, and I know, I know, there's one that we're both uh, very excited about that some listeners sent us from South America. Uh, what do you say? We do you want to save that one toward the end? What do you think? I don't know. I kind of want to do it now, Ben, because it's the thing I'm the most excited about. Awesome. You know what? Okay, I got your back, man. 
I just ate some ceviche. Let's head to Peru. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> ceviche is great. Uh, all right. Well, if we're going to head to Peru, uh, both you and I, I, because of where we are, uh, I guess put this into a dock simultaneously and didn't know the other one had done it because the internet connection didn't let us know. But uh, this thing, this whole situation in Peru, it's been happening for a while, and I don't know how it evaded us, or me at least, for this long, until we had a listener write in and, you know, send us a link, and we were like, wait, what? What is happening? Who said what? You guys... Mm -hmm. I'm going to read you the Vice headline. Vice is not the first people to be reporting on this. It's not even probably the most uh, up-to-date reporting, but it is great. Here's the headline. Flying aliens harassing village in Peru are actually illegal miners with jetpacks, cops say. <laughs> M-I-N-E-R-S. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This uh this blew my mind too for exactly the reasons you're describing, man, because first we love, love stories like this, especially out of Latin America. I remember uh many years ago when you and I learned about that mysterious case of those guys who put on lead masks, went out into a field in the middle of nowhere and then appear to have poisoned themselves, uh, remains unsolved today. The lead masks case. I, I think we did a video on that, maybe? Search the YouTube channel. I believe, I believe you're correct, because I remember we kind of double-dragoned it looking for stuff we could use about it uh and had to had to bone up on our portuguese a little bit this the one thing that's so fascinating about a lot of these stories is they often don't make it into the anglosphere right so we're when we're talking about this we're going to learn a little bit about peruvian folklore uh we're going to learn a little bit about jetpacks <laughs> and we're going and i think we're going to learn a little bit about la policia in uh in Peru, but that that Vice article, right? That's what uh, hipped most of North America to this. Uh, and big thanks to Alan G, our fellow conspiracy realist. So maybe can we unpack that headline, Matt? Flying yeah. aliens harassing village. Yeah, the, there's an indigenous Ikitu gr uh, group, I guess, a, a village that's living out in the northwestern Mines province. They're in Peru, and they have been reporting attacks, physical attacks on people within that village, within that region of some very strange things. Creatures, they say, that are coming out of the sky and that can fly back into the sky. And they're attempting to do things like kidnap individuals who are living there. Uh, and, and to do other, you know, violent things towards them. There's one story about a woman who evaded capture, who uh, was cut in some way by the attacker. I think a good window into this is to give a quotation from the indigenous Iquito uh, leader, their local leader named uh, Jairo, maybe J-A-I-R-O. Here's the quote. These gentlemen are aliens. They seem armored, like the Green Goblin from Spider-Man. I have shot one twice, and it didn't fall. Instead, it elevated and disappeared. We're frightened by what is happening in the community. Their color is silver. Their shoes are round in shape, and with those, they rise up. 
They float one meter high and have a red light on their heel. Their heads are long, their mask is long, and their eyes are sort of yellowish. Okay. I mean, there there's a lot to unpack here. So Jairo uh, Avila, as, as you said, Matt, is a leader of the, the local community there. This quote comes from a Peruvian radio station, RPP Noticias. Uh, and one thing that stands out to me here is that we know this guy is not uh, disconnected from the modern world in any way. He name checks the Green Goblin of all things, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think for both of us, the description of the physical appearance here really stood out, uh, especially the colors and the location of the colors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the fact that they're flying. They're flying. And yeah, they are flying. Yes. Or, you know, if it's some kind of trick, they're at least connected to something somewhere that's enabling them to rise from the ground, you know, a meter or so. Um, you know, if you if they're going David Blaine style and they're just strapped to something, maybe. Uh, otherwise, potentially, as the article, you know, states in its headline, maybe they're using jetpacks of some sort. Right. That's the police explanation. Yes. Uh, and we know that. OK, one thing we have to establish here is that this group, Ikitu, uh, this community, they know the land. They're very familiar with the the valleys, the ins and outs, right? So if there were some sort of entirely vertical wire mechanism, like you would see in a, in a good kung fu movie, uh, then they would know where that wire, where, where it would go up to. Right. If there were mm-hmm. uh, some origin point, the canopy, uh, the red light on the heel stands out to me that uh, anyway, the news went viral in Peru and then in, in the rest of the world. Twitter was wait for it. Twitter paid it about this or ex- exipated ex. It doesn't work. It doesn't work, Elon. So the scuttlebutt about this. And the civilian speculation about this grew to such a fever pitch that Peru sent members of the Peruvian Navy and the police to this community. And it's pretty isolated. If you want to get there, you're looking at a 10-hour boat ride from a provincial capital, which is Iquitos. And in early August, I think it was August 1st, uh, August 1st, Ivila speaks to the Peruvian radio station, and a few days later in early August, the Navy and police officials arrive. Is that correct? Uh, that's what I've seen thus far. Yeah, the first reporting I saw on this was on August 2nd. But again, according to that Vice article, these attacks have been going on since July. Um, mm-hmm. So who knows? It does state that it's both members of the Peruvian Navy and the police I don't know exactly which, you know, police force actually went. Um, But they are saying they believe that these creatures that are being described here are actually human beings using existing technology, real things, jetpacks that are available that you can find on Google if you search for them. And uh, a couple specific types, because there's another person who was interviewed who allegedly witnessed one of the attacks, a person named Christian Caleb uh, Pacaya, 
who says these guys were, quote, using state-of-the-art technology like thrusters that allow people to fly, and then continued saying that this person, Christian, looked them up on Google and saw the ones that they believe they saw, and they were, in fact, jetpacks. Yeah, I saw that too. And it, it reminded me almost instantly of an earlier earlier case, a bit of internet lore from many years back, uh, where there was an alleged UFO video. And maybe you remember this one. It was a guy who was traveling horizontally, and it looked like he was traveling across the ground. And then he hits a chasm, and he just maintains that same level. Uh, across this canyon or across this drop to the ground on the other side. And when you see the video, which is admittedly pretty grainy, it looks like the guy is standing on a platform with kind of a um, a, a banister of some sort. And uh, I remember this. this. The, yeah, you remember this? And, and people were, of course, there was the speculation – is this a UFO or an alien? But it looked like a dude who had a piece of technology somewhere between a, like a hovercraft or a um, a, a stationary like a VTOL kind of vehicle for one person. Uh, and it was takeoff. one. It was and real it was tech. One. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what people are describing here doesn't seem to be that thing. And coupled with that attempted kidnapping you're talking about, coupled with the multiple witnesses in this community who have been describing this, it definitely sounds like there's something afoot. There's something amiss or a jetpack, <laughs> however yeah. we want to say it. Well, it's also really weird because the official explanation that these are individuals operating illegal mining operations who are a part of, you know, some group, right? It's, it's an organized uh, mining operation. It's not just a couple of people. And just the fact that they have access to this tech and then they're using it to, I guess, attempt to, at least in a couple of cases, kidnap uh, young women. Like uh, there was a 15-year-old girl that was almost kidnapped or at least it was an attempted kidnapping, according to the locals there. Um, I just don't understand. I, I don't know. I, I don't understand why they would have that tech and use it for that purpose unless there was something else at play. Why would you, why would you do that? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. What, what would the point be? You know, I'm, we also have some other descriptions from villagers. RPP put out several articles on this out of Peru, and they they talk about the different testimonies that locals gave to law enforcement or to members of the government. And in one of those testimonies, a villager has the following quote, and I'm, I'm kind of translating on the fly, so please be patient with me, folks. They say, um, their bodies are floating. They use their arms for balance when they're flying, but they walk normally, and every time we arrive, they fly with an activation of something on the bottom of their feet. They have wheels with lights. This one villager said to the the troops. So it's maybe, maybe it's a really fancy version of remember LA lights, those sneakers, and then those wheelie sneakers that <laughs> remember those, like the little wheels would pop out and you yeah, could be the I, coolest. I, 
coolest kid in middle school? I, there's no way that's <laughs> they got no, no way. They can't make you actually fly. Is, nah, is the nah. job just like Reeboks don't uh, Reebok pumps don't help you jump? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's just a bunch of Iron Man enthusiasts in cosplay who've been drinking way too much Red Bull to the point where they are literally flying. <laughs> There we go. There we go. Uh, Red Bull, take note. That's our that's our promo. Uh, so do we they, even say they're described as being seven feet tall? No, we didn't get to that part yet. Nor the folklore. OK, wait, wait. So they're very tall. Well, I mean, that, that's at least what locals have been saying, that they are extremely tall. And again, we described it earlier, long faces. So like either a and they're, they're also described as having long helmets. So. Long heads and helmets somehow. Ben, did you get a chance to watch that video? It's like a, there's one, there's a green light being shown, or, or yeah. I guess it's a, just a regular flashlight, but the creature appears to be green. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I saw that going around on Twitter as well. And then I mm-hmm. saw a little bit of analysis. I'm saying analysis loosely because, of course, this is not the uh, – you know, the CSI kind of stuff here. This is people who are amateur investigators who are pausing and going frame by frame. It's still very good, very important work. And it made me think of you when I was looking at this video and I was looking at the way people, the the stuff they were trying to do to get a more clear picture. What What's your take, man, when you when you watch the video? Well, yeah, I saw that, too. It appeared as though one of the main people that had a high-powered flashlight was illuminating it from the angle near where the camera was located. So Mm -hmm. you kind of got a flat image of parts of the thing, but only parts of it illuminated at one time, right? So you're not seeing the full image of the thing. Uh, That person then tried to move around to the side to get almost a side angle of light. At least it's what it looked like to me to where you could get more of a three-dimensional image of what this thing was. Uh, But then it appeared to escape or move away or something before the video ended. Um, I would just say from what I've seen, from the resolution of the video I've seen, I can't give you anything conclusive here besides it does appear to be a humanoid object, creature, something that is appears to be on the roof or like high up above where the people are filming. Okay. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think there's there. So to recap, there are a couple of things we know for sure. One multiple witnesses um, whose testimony is compelling enough for the government to send people out to this very remote area. And again, a lot of great reporting by RPP on this. Uh, We also know that human technology uh, exists that can do some things like this, but there's a big drawback with that. Jetpacks as they exist now, they're loud. They're very, there are no stealth jetpacks yet. And as far as we know, there are no there are no jet apparatus or flying apparat uh, apparatus or me- mechanisms that would just attach to your feet. The jetpacks we know about they're pretty clunky. Uh, they are backpacks. Um, they're not super dependable. <laughs> uh, it, it, I just feel like the noise would be something they would mention if they were 
the jetpacks that the, the rest of the world is familiar with. And maybe the most, um, I mean, the mo- one of the most important facts we haven't mentioned yet, uh, Vice name checks this too. Gold mining. This is what the the police aren't coming out of nowhere when they say they think there could be miners attempting to harass the natives. Vice cites a guy named Carlos Castro Quintanilla, who is the lead investigator in the case. And he says that 80% of illegal gold mining in this region is located in the in the area where the Akitu community traditionally resides. So there is illegal mining, and there has been for some time. Um, the question is, are the police just scapegoating these criminals so that they have an explanation that isn't seven-foot-tall green men from outer space? That's what it feels like to me initially, right? Because why do illegal miners have access to jetpack equipment? more than one person why why would they why would they need that is it to get down to a certain place just as an individual but why would that be helpful in a mining operation because it's not like you can lug a bunch of ore or something with you when you're on a jetpack unless maybe you can and i'm just unaware of the capabilities of those things uh the other thing is why in the heck would you bring attention to yourself if you're doing organized illegal activity out, you know, in a in a fairly unpopulated area, why would you move in on a population and harass them only to bring attention to yourself? None of it checks out to me rationally, and maybe it's just an irrational thing or somebody who's, you know, got different motivations. Uh, maybe uh, someone who is, you know, a sexual predator that, again, is attempting to abduct a woman or something while while he's out there. That could make sense to me of why someone would go to those lengths of risk, you know. Um, but I, I it's a modern Spring Hill Jack, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? Uh, there may be well, there are some potential answers to that. I, here's what I think we do let's pause for a word from our sponsor and let's come back to this story. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) 
You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. We've returned. And for these excellent questions, like I, I, I'm of the same mind, man. I've been thinking through this as well. It's possible. Okay, here's what I'm thinking. It is possible that they could be, let's say it's minors, it, it is possible that they are using these techniques to scare the locals away from mining operations. As um, RPP reported, these mining cartels had been pushed out of nearby Brazil and Colombia in the past. Uh, the Brazilian and Colombian militaries, I guess, weren't getting paid enough to look the other way for too long. And so these could be an invasive force now. Their, their numbers could have upped. And maybe they're trying to keep locals in their home. Because I I think we both saw this. The reports among the locals had a couple of different explanations. And one of them went into folklore. The idea of Los Pelicaras, uh, the face peelers, which is a um, which is a regional cryptid or belief in that area. We don't think it's the face peelers, but it reminds me a little bit of how the U.S. military in the Philippines would mutilate bodies to make it look as though things like the Aswang, um, a Filipino uh, a monster from Filipino folklore, was attacking enemy forces. So maybe there's some psyop aspect to it, but it it still seems very unusual that they would attempt to abscond with 
uh, with children, with like a 15-year-old girl. So maybe there's a world in which maybe uh, some cartels with money to burn got kicked out of their old roosting grounds and maybe they did the thing that a lot of people do when they're done with money. They bought a bunch of toys, right? Maybe they got some dumb boats. Maybe they've got, <laughs> maybe they've got the, you know, like Ducatis and maybe they bought some jetpacks and now they've got these jetpacks and they can't go home. So they're just, uh, zoop, zooping around, uh, trying to scare people away, but that that's so hypothetical and there's no proof of that. That's still not an answer. I think this one, I think we can conclusively say for now, this is an unsolved mystery, huh? Can we yeah. say unsolved mystery without getting sued? Can we say that? It's a mystery that is yet to be deciphered. No, uh, I don't know. It's an unsolved mystery. <laughs> it's, it, it's a riddle that's yet to be unriddled. There we go. <laughs> it's an also unriddled, unriddled not a word <laughs> so uh but yeah this is this is classic strange news right and the you know i got into more and more um more and more of the peruvian reporting and the more you dig the more it seems like these entities whatever they are 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 probably human i would say almost definitely human well, let's use the same logic. It, it, let's say they are visitors from somewhere else, some when else. Why would they encroach on a human population like that only to be attacked, uh, leave, and then come back again to be attacked? Um, I don't, you know, I uh, maybe it's it's my human-centric mind attempting to, you know, apply meaning to something that I just don't understand. But it does seem as though if someone or something was able to get here from somewhere, they wouldn't have to physically go into an indigenous area only to be shot at and then leave and then come back and do it again. Oh, that's the other thing. Yeah, humans aren't bulletproof. They don't take bullets well. Um, could it be drones? Well, but if they're in, it could be drones, but if they're in some kind of protective gear, then maybe mm. they could get shot a couple times and they would be okay. Um, and if you're doing some kind of illegal activity where maybe you expect, you know, some police force to encroach on you guys at some point, maybe you are wearing protective gear. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, but I mean, obviously, if, uh, you could get uh, some Kevlar yeah. if you could get some jetpacks. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we've been in that situation before. Like, if we are just some Kevlar and some jetpacks away from a whole new ball game, uh, and we could have gotten away with it too, just like the Sackler family. Oh, wait, did you hear about this one? No, no, okay. Well, this is kind is of it good, good news. news? It is good news, Matt. It is kind of good news. Okay. Uh, can can you give us all like just a just a quick headline of wh who the Sackler family is? Why people should care? Uh, Sackler family big in the opioid trade, uh, the legal kind at least for a time, and uh, made billions and billions of dollars as a family that was uh, kind of running shop. What was the company? 
Uh, the company was Purdue Pharma. No association with the chicken empire. That's right. Uh, and gosh, we talked about them not that long ago because it looked as though they were going to get away with a slap on the wrist, basically. is Has that changed? Well, uh, hope springs eternal. We, we It may be changing. That's the most optimistic, accurate way to put it. So previously, there was a court ruling that had a lot of people livid, furious, your faithful correspondents included. Folks, if you don't live in the United States, um, you may have just heard a few headlines about this. But if you live in the U.S., you know this for sure. Opioids went through this country like a f***ing hurricane across so many demographics across pretty much every state. And amid this crisis, certain groups such as Purdue Pharma LLC exercise their enormous money and power uh, in lobbying, which is legalized bribery here in the U.S., uh, such that these doctors and these medical systems were incentivized to overprescribe opioid. And this happened to millions of people, and it's happening today. What well, uh, the way it would work is you would go into a medical facility of some sort and you would uh, request treatment. They would be they would be given things like the pain scale. The pain scale is when a patient self describes how they're feeling on a scale of one to ten. Very unscientific. It's just vibes. And then they would be these patients would often be prescribed some sort of opioid. Opioids are, as we know, highly addictive, and there would always be some sort of step-down plan, but those step-down plans don't work when you can just go to another doctor and another doctor after that, and then eventually, if you can't get through, um, if you can't find a doctor who will unscrupulously renew your prescription, you're forced to go to the black market. And then that leads to things like heroin. That leads to things like fentanyl. And by the time the government of the U.S. admitted this was a problem, the horse had left the barn. You know, there was no putting the there was no putting the monsters back in Pandora's jar. And so the people demanded something be done. This was a it's very rare nowadays, but this was a bipartisan issue because everybody was losing someone. The Sackler family cracked a devil's bargain with the U.S. government, with the court system. And in exchange, uh, Purdue Pharma was going bankrupt. This was very bad PR, right? Uh, And so they said, okay, Sackler family, ye modern aristocrats, if you donate $6 billion with a B uh, at this certain schedule with all these caveats and so on, you will be immunized from lawsuits. The Sackler family personally will not be responsible in a court of law for the consequences of their purposeful actions. This, uh, the United States and the rule of law, I would argue, really took it on the chin when that deal went through because what that told everybody in, in the U.S. was if you got enough money, (laughs) <laughs> then you can you can get out of jail. Maybe not get out of jail for free, but for six billion, you absolutely can get out of jail for the rest of your life, no matter how many people you killed 
for a Q4 profit. This goes all the this went all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court blocked the deal. So right now they have paused the deal that would grant immunity to the Sackler family. Well, I mean, I guess that's good until it can be reviewed further. But again, there's so much influence there. I don't know, man. I'm not going to be hopeful until something really actually happens and money changes hands and there's wire transfers or something. Mm -hmm. I agree, man. I'm right there with you. You know, it's like a weird version of that Fox Mulder poster that we loved growing up. I want to believe, you know what I mean? I want to believe things will work out. But right now, as we're recording here, uh, mid-August 2023, what the Supreme Court has done is hit the pause button. And they've said, we're going to take this case. We're going to hear arguments about it in our December 2023 session. Uh, The new Supreme Court term starts in October. And of course, you know, America's favorite ring wraiths have been the subject of no small amount of controversy themselves quite recently. I think uh, Clarence Thomas keeps popping up in the news. The idea of whether or not the Supremes should be held uh, to some sort of standard of ethics is a hot button issue. America says yes. The Supreme Court says no. We can. (laughs) We know best uh, as philosopher kings. It, it's something that, you, you know, it's something that should bug everybody, no matter who you vote for. Because you know who you don't get to vote for? Those nine people who have the job for the rest of their lives and are literally saying to you, if you live in the United States, that they are above the laws to which you are held accountable. And that's kind of gross. Is that a hot take to say that's kind of gross? I feel like it's a reasonable thing to say. Oh, it's gross. It's gross when you look at the actions of like Clarence Thomas and some of that stuff. I mean, it's just nasty. And he's just, from Georgia. Ugh. Oh, man. The power of the powerful. But you know what other powerful people are having to do in the news? Mm? What's what's that, Matt? Well, and when I say powerful people, I mean powerful, I guess, organizations like banks. Uh, UBS. We've talked about them before on the <gasps> show. Uh, They, according to the Justice Department, have agreed to pay $1.4 billion in penalties for defrauding, wait, not not people who own mortgages or anything like that or homeowners, no, investors Uh, who bought mortgage-backed securities during that old Great Recession. Kalu Kalei, what a frab just day, my man. Like, hey, things are finally working out for us, right? How are your <laughs> mortgage-backed securities? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. It's money going to people that, you know, invested in mortgage-backed securities. Uh, it's not actually going to, I don't know, people that got harmed in that whole thing. But, you know, whatever. Um That's at least somewhat positive because it's a civil action that's been going on since 2018, and there seems to be movement there. Uh, It's it's pretty great. Well, okay. So what was what was the number again? One point four billion with a B. Holy smokes! And this is this is to um, make those investors whole. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, well, let me let me just. Whoa, look at this. Okay, hold on. Let me read from this CNN Business article. 
It is titled UBS to pay $1.4 billion for selling toxic mortgages prior to the Great Recession. If you go down to the bottom here, it says DOJ filed a civil action on November 2018 against UBS, alleging the Wall Street Bank defrauded investors by knowingly making false and misleading statements to buyers of dozens of residential mortgage-backed securities issued in 2006 and 2007. Uh, and then down here, it says... All told, prosecutors say they've leveled more than $36 billion in fines for conduct that fueled the 2008 financial crisis, including from banks and ratings firms, and that includes outfits like Goldman Sachs, Barclays, uh, Deutsche Bank, and others that got caught up in that thing. So it's kind of awesome to see the Department of Justice going after banks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, to see the DOJ... Doing something. Yeah, doing something. Hey, nice work, guys. <laughs> Go after those banks. Ha ha. Uh, yay. But again, it's just weird because of what it's actually, I don't know, what it's being paid for. Because it's just penalties. Right. And it feels like it's missing some of the human suffering at that mm-hmm. point. You know, because people's lives were irrevocably ruined. Um and it's strange, you know, that we have to, this is the first I've heard of this. And I, I do have to admit, I'm surprised. It reminds me a bit of one of those observations we always heard during the Madoff scandal, where it says, if you want, if, if you want to avoid consequences for large financial crimes, just avoid targeting the rich. Because when you target the rich, they are in the wealthy in the U.S. power structure, they are going to have the means to defend themselves and to seek retribution. Um, is this another case of that in play? I don't know. I don't have the answer. I can't believe people can afford to buy mortgage-backed securities. Just <laughs> I don't know what it we, costs, though. Maybe it was super yeah. cheap. Maybe. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, maybe it's like a percentage of a fund. Mm-hmm. Right. That you would, you know, you would put into some kind of uh, mixed fund with a, a money manager and that manager got into it. But they were also I'm just pulling up some of the, some of the sources you mentioned. They were selling these under false pretenses and intentionally misleading people. So legally, there is a strong basis for it. Um, when. When is the that same level of justice going to apply to people who get bilked in so many other ways? You know what I mean? I think it's just in, in the U.S., everything comes down to the consumer. The burden is on you as the customer, as the consumer. And when we see cases like this, I would argue what it shows us is that the consumers who can afford to who can afford to play the game of the court system in both time and in, in terms of both time and capital, they're the ones who have rights. I, I don't, you know, what's going to happen in Flint, Michigan? What's going to happen in Hunter's Point? Lots of cancer. Guys, buy more mortgage-backed securities. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. God, that's horrible. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> maybe the aliens will help us clean our water and air and 
all the stuff we need. Help! 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 Get me uh, off this crazy planet. Yeah. Well, hey, Ben, what do you say we take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and then come right back with some more strange news? Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Is she breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby Award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here... We have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. And we 
have returned. Uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna trade some headlines here. So I don't wanna I don't wanna take too too long with this one, Matt. But there's a story that came out uh, about a week ago or so as we record, and it really disturbed me. We're just gonna give you the headline here, folks. Quote out of the Kansas Reflector. Police staged chilling raid on Marion County newspaper, seizing computers, records, and cell phones. Uh, this story broke on August 11th. Uh, so we want to thank Sherman Smith, Sam Bailey, Rachel Mipro, or Mipro, and Tim Carpenter, uh, who seem to have put themselves in very real professional danger by even reporting this. Okay, so the newspaper got raided. It's not usually supposed to happen, right, not in the U.S.? Well, yeah. Why? Unless the newspaper itself as an organization or someone at the highest levels are doing some kind of illegal activity, right, or involved in some kind of conspiracy, then, yeah, I can imagine all the, you know, a raid occurring there. If, uh, what was that thing we said at the top? If they're they're trying to take some action on a certain cough drop, <laughs> oh yes, you mean if they're pursuing Ricola? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Which is maybe only funny to us. <laughs> that's funny to me. Uh, uh, but that, that's good. why I can imagine a prosecutor raiding a local newspaper. You know. Uh, mm-hmm. Unless it's retaliation for something, which is what might also come to mind. Yes, that seems to be the case. So the story really starts with two people, uh, a restaurant owner in Marriott named Carrie Newell or Kari Newell, K-A-R-I, last name N-E-W-E-L-L. I don't feel like we need to protect her name at this time. It is in it is in the public sphere now. And the second person, who is a principal character in our story, a guy named Eric Meyer, the owner and publisher of the Marion County Record. It is the paper of record in Marion County. The most creative name for this paper? Maybe not, but they do good work. These real old school journalists, and the community was abuzz with all kinds of sort of small town gossip and things come to a head after news stories were coming out in the county record about this restaurant owner, Newell. It culminates when Newell kicks these reporters out of a meeting with a U.S. representative, Jake LaTurner, which is somehow Jake's real name. And the paper reports that the restaurant owner had a conviction for drunken driving, also, uh, Kari Newell did not have a driver's license. They're putting out these things. And they are reporters. They're journalists. So these are fact-checked. These are confirmed. They have the records to prove this stuff. And that's when the raid happens. Local law enforcement seized computers. They took cell phones. They took the records, the reporting materials that the newspaper's reporters had compiled. They also raided the publisher, Eric Meyer's home. The city's entire police force was there. Now, that sounds huge. But again, this is kind of a small town. The police force is five people. They had two sheriff deputies there, too. Wow. Okay, so basically what I'm hearing is that the local law enforcement went after this these folks because they did some kind of background check 
on a local restaurateur. Yes. Kicked that. So it was a personal feud. They individually got kicked out of the establishment because, you know, the establishment didn't want any journalists in there during a public meeting. So mm-hmm. then the journalist went back, got on like whitepages.com or any of the other hundreds of services you can get a subscription to and do a background check on somebody. They found out she was, I guess, driving without the proper license or something and posted it somewhere online or printed it. So the way we're hearing it in places like the Kansas Reflector is that my uh, Newell, Kari Newell, started saying some really hostile things about Myers and Gang's reporting uh, on her personal social media. Which you need to remember, folks, no matter what your privacy settings feel like, you are speaking in public when you are on social media. There is no way around it. Uh, And they said they have been contacted by a confidential source who disclosed to them that the restaurateur had been convicted of drunken driving and was still driving without a driver's license. That's important because that kind of criminal record in this time span, that can spell disaster for your business. Uh, She wanted to get a liquor license for her catering business, so that could sink that plan. And reporters with the Marion record used a state website to verify the information from this confidential source. But the publisher, Meyer, later said, and he said this publicly, he said, I suspect the source that was, uh, whomever the source was, was feeding us information from Kari Newell's soon-to-be ex-husband who has filed for divorce. And he said, he said, I'm not going to publish a story about this information. I'm calling the police because I think we're being set up due to the bad blood that we already have. So he tells the police, boop. And then the police tell Kari Newell, boop. And then she goes to a city council meeting, boopity boop, and says the newspaper is illegally obtained these like sensitive documents, which is not true. Uh, And the newspaper tried to set the record straight and they published a story about this. This is like classic small, small town drama, right? But it gets dangerous. Uh, And so that's why 11 AM the officers show up at the publisher's home and at the office, they've got a search warrant uh, and they took everything. One reporter was slightly injured uh, because officers grabbed uh, her cell phone out of her hand. Oh, wow. So what what do Uh, you think, man? I think Marion County law enforcement needs to invest in jet packs. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. I don't know. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. That's that. There's a clear lack of jetpacks in this story. Seriously, just go in through a skylight at the local newspaper, grab some hard drives, and get out of there. That's that's mm-hmm. what you do. Bing bang um, boom. No, this that's I, it's just very strange. It's a fascinating tale. I'd love to see it written out. Not like I'm looking at a CNN article. I'd mm-hmm. love to see it written out on a like. Here's what happened. Then this happened. Then this happened. Then this happened. Kind of way, unless in this news reporting style and that and that's you know no offense to you know Whitney Sarah and Holly over there at CNN who are writing this I just 
it was confusing to me when I was reading it about what actually happened. Yeah, yeah. It took me a second to unpack it too. So apologies for any confusion in that bowl of spaghetti there. That like I, I agree. We need an A to Z timeline. Yeah. Yeah, because it is it is a he said, she said kind of back and forth thing that you know culminates in a police raid. <laughs> yeah. It, it, the weirdest thing that they they don't explain is the search the search warrant. You have to have a reason for a search warrant, even with a possibly corrupt law enforcement action. There has to be something on the page. Matt, the, the police had a warrant for identity theft. Oh, well, but yeah, because again, it's what you said before. Um, Carrie Kari's kitchen owner is stating that they illegally like used her credentials somehow to get to access the information, which I don't know the legality of it, but it definitely wouldn't be good. Right. If you stole that would be like a form of identity theft. If you're impersonating someone uh, logging into anything, it can mm-hmm. be unless you have that person's permission. Uh, it's just. I don't I, mm. It's <laughs> weird, man. So if we if we understand this, Kari Newell accused the paper of lying about her in a story that they never published. And then came out and admitted that that information was true, still accusing her of lying about her and stealing her identity, convinced the cops and a judge to raid the place for a story they never published, which they did seem to verify via public information. Okay. Well, I want to see where this one goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I don't think we're going to see the end of it yet, but surely the feds are going to come down hard. Uh, Matt, Mike, over to you, man. What what, what do we got? Uh, what do we got oh. while we're waiting for Kansas to set this right? Man, Kansas. I've been learning a lot about Kansas because the Monster Series is heading that way for a story that, Ben, I bet you know which one it is. I bet a few of you out there might know if the Monster Series is going to Wichita. Hmm? Mm. Mm. Anyway, oh, say less. Uh, awesome. Okay. Awesome, dude. So, yeah. Um, so now let's talk about robo taxis. We've mentioned them a couple times on the show before. Sorry. Sorry, no, keep it in. Keep it in. I I am hunched over in in a in a small room on a handheld mic. So, let's just take the second to to say folks uh for for some of our conversations here, if the audio sounds wonky on anybody's end, it is my fault. Uh, we're just we're just doing it live on the road. That's a great condenser mic. I really like the way it sounds. Actually, uh, use it more often. It's good. It's good stuff. Um, so hey, uh, Robo Taxis, the self driving taxi services that are you know it's still emerging as a thing that you can interact with if you're in specific cities here in the U.S. and other parts of the world. Out in California and San Francisco, you know, where all the tech starts, the wonderful magical world of tech, um, they have decided to allow a couple different companies to operate their robo-taxi services. And recently, I think it was last Friday, as we were reporting this, uh, they had a bit of an issue that I wouldn't have thought about. Hmm. Have you ever been to a large gathering like a... I don't know, a music festival or uh, just a huge concert of some kind, and you've experienced a lessened or lack of cellular service 
because there's so many people out there clogging the internet tubes. Sure. <laughs> Boy, have well, I ever. <laughs> well, how does that work when you've got actual vehicles that are unmanned that operate on the same networks that all of your cell phones, all of our cell phones work on? Well, uh, apparently last Friday, a tiny part of San Francisco found out because there was some kind of glitch in a self-driving car that I believe it was operated by Cruise, the company C-R-U-I-S-E. And there was like a, a bit of a mishap with some traffic being occurred because the vehicle couldn't, I guess, connect correctly to its servers. And it was like stuck basically in an intersection attempting to get out of the intersection. But it was, there was a lot of traffic and it couldn't get anywhere. So then it caused more traffic and then it just became a big, massive problem. This isn't a real news story. It's just pointing out we should probably think about the strength of connectivity to the controlling networks when we're thinking about driverless taxi services. I agree with you. I, I disagree that this is not strange news. This is a precedent. This is one of those things we're going to look back on in a few years and and uh, and clock as the beginning. I can't. I can't believe I never thought about this, man. It, it makes absolute sense you would create a feedback loop a back uh, you would create this um log jam right of communication there's a snowball effect i i'm i'm at a loss to <laughs> I, actually i'm not at a loss for cliche figures of speech to describe this but it is double plus ungood especially when we know that automated vehicles are going to be increasingly prevalent especially in wealthier areas of the world you know what i mean like right now i think the human species is pretty close in some areas to passing laws that will require vehicles to be autonomous in certain city centers it'll be on the way and if you don't have the infrastructure to support that then it's like you're just you're you're what you're really doing is putting roadblocks in the street. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're isolating your community for sure. I want to go back to Marshall Brain's plan that he pitched decades ago. And uh -huh. that's the that's the one where there are magnets on all of the streets, on all of the vehicles. They're electric they're electromagnets and what they do is they repel on all sides, including on the city streets, so that you literally lock vehicles in. Uh, basically, it's almost like the floating semiconductors that you have seen probably, where it's a little tiny round thing just floating somehow locked in, uh, in position there. Uh, it's like that, but with magnets. So you can never hit the car in front of you. You can only move the car in front of you if you accidentally get too close, and they would do the same thing. This is, wait, hold on. That sounds like a really bad idea, actually. Now, <laughs> but if they were if they were yeah. driverless vehicles mm -hmm. operating, you know, essentially on rails like that, and they couldn't hit each other, I don't know. Maybe it could be good. Maybe it could be good. Also, my what passes for my internal emotive mechanisms just lights up when we mention Marshall Brain. You know what I mean? That guy, 
uh, that guy's a legend around these stuff they don't want you to know parts. And I, I, we might be overdue to talk with talk with Mr. Brain again, Matt. What do you think? Yeah, let's get his take on self-driving vehicles, AI, right? He, he'd be a great person Ooh. to talk to about emerging, <laughs> you know, emerging tech there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for anybody who is who is not aware, um, back in the days of yore, in the evenings past, when uh, your faithful correspondents were but we young wisp of interns, uh, we, <laughs> we worked pretty directly, pretty often with Marshall Brain, the creator and founder of How Stuff Works. Um, Matt, you were doing tons and tons of videos with him. I had to, uh, I, I, I was fortunate to be able to write things for him. And man, it, it, you know what it was like? It was like if you started at Wendy's and on your first day, Dave Thomas walked in and yeah. said, sell me a cheeseburger. Well, yeah, for, for me, he was like, uh, who are you? Okay, yeah, sure. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. No. I, I went up to him and I accosted him. I was like, thank you for making this website. It helped me a lot when I was in school. You're awesome. <laughs> yeah, we were definitely fanboys. I remember the first time, the first time I had uh, an in-depth conversation with him. It was a while after it started. And it's because I asked him, you remember the clapper? Yes. They, like you, you could clap and it would turn things on and off. The first very in-depth conversation I had with him was when I asked him how clappers work. That's a good question, actually. Look, man, we've gone down this weird road of learning strange little factoids about how things function and we've been doing it for so long i you know i think it's just normal to us at this point but if if i was walking around and just going how does a clapper work if i didn't have a lot of the other you know basically engineering information that we've unlocked somehow through this journey i would be like i don't know how, what how does it hear the clap how does it know that two claps mean on off what hmm. How, what's going on here? Yeah, I would be very confused. Also, it's a uh, it's a great prank if you <laughs> if you have cool coworkers. It's a great prank to tell them you've installed a clapper somewhere. Yes. in like a room or supply room. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's that's neither here nor there. And of course, folks, uh, we're we're saying uh, when we say factoid, we mean a brief bit of news or information. We're not using the other the other meaning of factoid there, but we are aware of it. Um, we have so much more strange news that we haven't gotten to yet. Our pal Noel has a great update on Amon Bundy, um, which we are going to save for another uh, another noctivigant adventure. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, uh, just so everyone knows, we are going to have a classic 
episode coming out in place of our usual listener mail segment, uh, but we will be back in full force, uh, your favorite conspiratorial triumvirate, very, very soon. Tune in for some of our upcoming episodes. Not too many spoilers, but there's a war on chips. <laughs> there may be a war on chips, I should say. And uh, we're going to hack reality. We're going to teach you how to build your own conspiracy. We have such wonders to show you, and we would like you to join us, become part of the show. Uh, Matt, how, how, would, how would one go about uh, venturing into the void of stuff they don't want you to know? Well, you can type the phrase, one word, conspiracy stuff, into X slash Twitter, YouTube, You'll find our channel there. You can also check out the old How Stuff Works YouTube channel. It has a lot of our like original classics. You can see oh, yeah. it. Check it out. And some stuff where uh and and some stuff where yours truly you you yours truly's are appearing in uh non stuff they don't want you to know videos. You can you can see several of those. You can also um if you are an intrepid Internet or not, web or not, web or not, whatever. If you're one of those, you can also uh, catch uh, my ride or die, Mr. Matt Frederick, doing some excellent VO work in places you might not expect. And should you uh, not quite sip the social meads, if you've listened to our episodes on big data and the uh, agglomerative danger of letting the void know everything about you. Maybe you're old school, you know, maybe, maybe you still got a landline. <laughs> maybe that's as far as the, as you trust the technology of today. Well, there's good news for you as well. Fellow conspiracy realist, you can contact us directly on your telephonic device of choice. Yes, call 1-833-STDWYTK. It's a voicemail system. When you call in, give yourself a cool nickname, not your government name, and let us know if we can use your voice and message on the air. If you don't want to do that, why not instead head over to TikTok or Instagram and watch the Dentifrice video, because it is one of my favorite things we've made in a long time. Also, the Noctivigant one. Uh, just, there's something about it. Just makes me so happy doing a dream sequence inside a short form video. <laughs> if you don't want to do any of that stuff either, then why not just send us a good old fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. 
Sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.